uh, profit is in the sourcing. So if you're looking to save money, if you're looking to get that competitive advantage, you've got to learn to how to negotiate or talk or approach your suppliers. And this is, uh, this is one main reason why I like going to the Canton Fair, but it's also... Hey everyone, this is Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing something that you probably, if you're a new seller, uh, have no idea about, but you got to learn about, and that's the Canton Fair. We're going to learn about the A to Z of the Canton Fair, what it is, who should attend, and everything in between. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Lunch with Norm podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Lunch with Norm podcast. Today, like I mentioned, it's going to be great. We're going to be talking about the Canton Fair. And if you've never been to the Canton Fair, if you're a new seller, we're going to talk about the A to Z's of the Canton Fair and why you should attend. Our guest, the first time, uh, he's first time on the, uh, the show, although... I, I think we talked about it oh, probably around the first year that I started the podcast, but I can't believe we've got him on today. And he is the founder of Sourcing with Keon, and he has one of the largest, one of the world's largest leading sourcing experts. And I'll say that again. He's one of the world's leading sourcing experts, and he's personally visited over 500 factories and sourced over 2,500 uh, products. I'm talking about Kian Galzari. But before we talk to Kian, uh, we have a word from our sponsor. Okay, so we are back. Kelsey's not here right now, so I'm on my own. Uh, wow, I don't know how I'm going to get through this part. All I can say is there's a bunch of things happening. I believe by the time this airs, uh, it's going to be after my event at the Titan Network in San Diego. But for some reason, if this airs prior to that, make sure you check it out. We do have uh, some discounts for some tickets uh, over in our resource page, and I'm sure Kelsey will put that in. If not, uh, let's. I'll talk a little bit about... Kelsey becoming a micro-influencer. I think by the time this airs, uh, Kelsey would have reached over 10,000 followers, which puts him in not a nano-influencer anymore, but over into the um, uh, micro-influencer category. So congrats, Kels. Also, uh, there are some new events that are coming up, and I'll make sure that Kelsey posts them into our Facebook group. And by the way, we've got a great community. And if you want to be part of that community, just head over to our Facebook group, Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and FBA collective. Okay. If you have questions, if you have comments, throw them over into the comment section. Although this is pre-recorded, uh, Kelsey's going to be monitoring this uh, for questions and comments, and he'll be getting back to you. All right, everybody, sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, enjoy the show, and welcome, Keon. Where are you, sir? Hey, what's up, Norm? How's it going, buddy? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for having me. Um, currently, I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland, um, but I actually live in Dubai. I'm just sort of uh, here where I grew up, visiting family at the moment. Uh, oh, prior. nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, 
yeah, I, I grew up in Edinburgh, a lovely, lovely part of the world. And I uh, just got back in yesterday and uh, just looking forward to spending time with family and then heading off to China in a couple of weeks as well, which I'm super excited about, which I'll see you there as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll both be there. Um, one of the things I think we should talk about, let's go back to your bio. Mm. Uh, it's more than two sentences. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I've been involved in product development, supply chain manufacturing since 2010. Uh, November 1st, 2010 was the first time I went to China and that was to visit the Canton Fair. And then I kind of went into my first factory around that time as well. And luckily, the first factory I went into, my mind was just blown and I was like, I really want to get good at this. I want to learn more about this. And the first factory I went into was a, was a backpack factory. And the reason I, my mind was blown was that like... When you think of a backpack, you think about it as like one product in a store on a shelf. But when you see it in a factory, you see it in like 30 different pieces. You know, you see the shoulder straps, the foam that goes in the shoulder straps, the webbing, the buckles, the zippers, the pullers, the inside lining, the waterproof coating, and you see it get assembled step by step. And then now all of a sudden, you know, if you've got a $15 product, but you need to make it a $12 product, you know, you've got 30 different calculations in your head. It's almost like you think in 3D now because you've seen that product get assembled step by step. So what was supposed to be like a two-week trip in 2010 i ended up staying for three months and then i moved back to scotland got my things went back to china set up an office there and you know since that time from 2010 until now as you said i've designed developed and sourced over two and a half thousand products i've visited more than 500 factories and i've attended more than 20 canton fairs and that led me to supply and work with brands retailers licenses like the olympics the nba united nations um, a lot of big box retailers in uk europe and the us as well as a lot of amazon private label sellers as well and i kind of just started speaking at e-commerce events maybe like four or five years ago and then since then developed a youtube channel called sourcing with kian where I educate people on just what i've learned over the last like 13 years product development sourcing supply chain so yeah man pleasure to be on and, and happy to dive into more detail with you yeah, I'm I'm really happy that you're here too. And it's probably been two or three years since uh, we started talking <laughs> about getting you on here. But I'm glad you're here as well. Uh, okay, so the Canton Fair is just not another expo. Uh, it's huge. And I think that we should start by talking about what is the Canton Fair. Sure. Um, so, so, so for anyone who doesn't know, the Canton Fair is the largest import-export exhibition in the world, meaning you have over three phases, you have over 26,000 suppliers there, exhibitors. And when I say suppliers, I'm not just talking about like, you know, the ones that you would find on Alibaba. These are like top, top tier suppliers, meaning before online business, before Alibaba and things like that, like big buyers from big retail stores and big brands would visit the Canton Fair. The Canton Fair has been going since like, I don't know, earlier than 1990, more than like 30 years old. And um, traditionally, the biggest factories would go there. And that's where the buyers would go to do their business. Now, a lot of these top, top suppliers which exhibit at the Canton Fair don't necessarily post their products on Alibaba.com because their customers are so big that their production lines are always full that they don't necessarily need to advertise to be like, hey, we need more customers, therefore let's get an Alibaba listing and things like that. So just going to visit the fair, you're going to be aligned with like the top tier suppliers. Now, it doesn't matter if you're like a beginner, intermediate or advanced seller. The fact that you're there at the fair, those suppliers are going to take you seriously, right? Because if someone's developing their first product, wanting to launch their first product and their first brand, and they're like, well, you know, 
I'm not a, a level where I supply retailers and things like that. Why would these factories be interested to, to listen to me? Like the fact that you're in China at the Canton Fair shows that you're a serious buyer because anyone can go on Alibaba.com, type in a product, ask for pricing and MOQ and things like that. But the Canton Fair is in a city called Guangzhou. You don't go to Guangzhou for a holiday. Maybe some people do. I don't know. I don't want to disrespect Guangzhou. It's a cool city. But you're there to do business, right? You're there for an exhibition. You're there to meet suppliers and develop products and things like that. So just the fact that you're in the door, the suppliers take you seriously as well. And as I mentioned, the Canton Fair is over three phases. The first one being, and it happens twice a year. So I'm talking about the upcoming one, which is going to be October to November. Phase one is October 15th to 19th. Phase two, phase two and three is probably more suited towards Amazon sellers. Um, so phase two is October 23rd to 27th, and phase three is October 31st to November 4th. Now, the types of product categories you can expect to see in phase two and three are, you know, so phase two would be like furniture, kitchen, household items, uh, clocks, watches, gifts. And when I say gifts, you know, we're talking about like Halloween products and Christmas products and decorations, festival products art, ceramics, glass, all that sort of stuff. And then phase three, you've got like pet products and uh, baby category and sport, casual wear, um, fashion, home textile, shoes, office supply, uh, cases, bags. And you know, when I say bags, like I'm talking about, you've got three different halls and each hall has got three floors. And on each floor, you've got like 20 rows with 20 suppliers. So like you got 400 like suppliers per wow. Per uh, per floor, right? And you've got three of them. So, like, I'm talking about over a thousand bag suppliers. And when we think about bags, you know, it could be fashion bags, it could be military bags, it could be outdoor bags, it could be sport bags. Like, if so, if you're into like pickleball bags, for example, there's a lot of suppliers there. And the beauty of that, and why I love the Canton Fair so much, is that like we can touch and feel and see and use the products right there and then. So, like, if we look at an image of a product, whether it be a pickleball bag or uh, blue light blocking glasses or a water bottle. I can see it on the screen, but I can't feel the thickness of it, right? Um, like the, the backpack, I can see it on the screen, but I can't feel what it's like on my shoulder straps when it's like loaded, right? So just to be able to touch and feel and use and see the products, talk to the supplier, kind of look them in the eye, like build a relationship with them, just have a bit of like a banter with them. And, you know, as, as you start to discuss like, you know, pricing and things like that, be able to go out for dinner, go out to dinner with them or go for a coffee together and talk about like other product lines that you're developing. And there's so many, many advantages. I'm sure I'm just going off on a tangent here and I'm sure you probably- No, 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 so, go ahead, go off on that no. tangent. But, uh, okay, so you're walking the aisles and you're going and you're meeting the manufacturer. Now, are these manufacturers or are they brokers? Yeah, great question. So you're going to see a, a mix of both manufacturers and trading companies. And I would say that um, both are okay. Like I work with many trading companies. I also work with many factories. And there's kind of this preconceived notion that, hey, if I work with a trading company, I'm not necessarily getting the best price for my product. So I want to work directly with the factory. But in actual fact, like, um, it's, it's funny, I actually just posted a YouTube video on my channel yesterday about the Canton Fair. And one example that I gave to your point was that there was a booth there called Iron Master and it was a gym company. And Iron Master, they had like bikes, uh, they had yoga mats, they had like ab rollers, all sorts of different types of gym equipment, right? But the same factory which makes the, the bikes is not also making the yoga mats, right? Completely different materials and ways of making products and stuff like that. But 
they're a trading company and they've presented themselves as, hey, if you're a gym owner or if you have a gym brand, you can come to us and we can source all of this for you. And then it's up to you to think, you know what? Well, if it's my first time doing this, I just want to talk to one one company. I don't want to find eight different factories for eight different products. I'll just talk to this one company, Iron Master, and then they'll deal with all of that on my behalf. But if I'm like a really, really big brand and I want the absolute top quality factory and I want the absolute best price for these yoga mats and I'm doing 200,000 units a year, I don't necessarily want to be buying from a trading company. I would want to buy from a factory because I know that with a factory, they're more likely to give me credit terms, right? Because the trading company is not bankrolling the order, whereas a factory has, you know, raw materials and stock and things like that. So I wouldn't say there's a right or a wrong answer of should I work for a trading company or a factory, but it's very important to know who you are working with. Therefore, you know what strings you can pull and what advantages and disadvantages you have uh, with working with either companies. But majority of the companies there are factories and then trading companies so you can see all the products you have on display and then make a decision of, of who you want to work with but the cool thing is that there's whatever product category you're into there's so many different companies there that it's not like you know we go online and we find we submit an rfq on alibaba or like we contact a supplier and they say yeah the price for that product is eight dollars well if someone gives me a price for eight dollars i'm just going to the next booth and the next one and the next one and the next one and i'm actually showing a physical sample to be like what would be the price for this product for a thousand units or for ten thousand units whatever it may be and they can pretty accurately quote you on the spot so you know i think when you're sourcing online you might get overcharged sometimes because either the supplier misunderstands your specification or they're just trying to add on a higher margin or something like that whereas when you're in the fair it's not advantageous for the supplier to overcharge you because if they do, you can just go to the next booth and the next booth and the next booth and then just talk to them and get the real price. So it's more competitive in there, if you know what I mean. So you can actually get the real price of a product very, very quickly and then touch and feel the samples that they have. And then you can also request them to make a sample for you. And because you're in China, like I said at the start, they take you a little bit more seriously. So you can actually request for them to send to make you a new sample with your branding or your specifications. And they can actually knock out that sample in three or four days. And then they can send it to your hotel while you're in China. So my goal is always to leave the Canton Fair or to leave that China trip with the samples that I have that I want to develop. And if they say, yeah, it'll take two weeks to make those samples, then so be it. Like they'll send it to my address um, where in the UK or, or wherever I'll be. But at least they're more likely to sort of give you that sample free of charge because you've proved your seriousness as a customer to be there at the fair, if you know what I mean. So if we could just back up. So we're talking about spec samples, getting them delivered to your hotel. Does that mean you can place orders right at the fair? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily place an order at the fair. I think traditionally, like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, people were doing that. But I think now that there's like a few other factor, uh, factors to consider. And for me, if I if I know the factory and I know the product, like, you know, speed to market is quite important, as you know. So if I see a new product that I've never seen before and I'm like, I want to have this before anyone else, I would be more inclined to wrap everything up and to place an order as soon as possible but before placing an order i would want to at least have a sample with my branding on it as well as visiting the factory myself or sending in a third-party company to do like the due diligence on the actual factory as well now while you're there in china if you're serious about doing an order i always extend my trip a few days and just leave like a few days blank for after the canton fair i'm going to use that time to go and visit some factories as well so if i was serious about placing an order i would basically have everything drafted up in terms of the price we agreed the quantity i want to get 
and then I would then place the order like after visiting the factory and things and having a sample in my hands with with my branding on it. But um, the other thing I would add is that if you see something and you want to act quickly on it, you can also discuss an exclusivity agreement with the supplier as well. So if it's something that I've developed, then obviously I can get my own patent and stuff like that and I can get my own protection on the product. But if I see a product in a booth that a supplier has developed and I had no input in it, I would say to the supplier, look, I want to purchase this product from you, but I don't want you to sell this to anyone else in the US market, for example. And for that reason, you might need to purchase a larger order quantity. Yeah. And, and, and you can get exclusivity by three main things. You could get exclusivity by uh, region. So I could say, look, I'll sell this in the U US market, but I'm happy for you to sell this to anyone else you want in the Japan market, the European market, UK market, go crazy. But for US, I, I want that. You can also get exclusivity by time to say, right, give me exclusivity for six months. If I don't hit 10,000 units after six months, then you can open up and sell it to everyone else. But if I do hit 10,000 units within six months, then I want to can remain exclusive and then you can't sell this to, to anyone else. And then, um, yeah, so you can get exclusivity by time, by region, and also by quantity as well. So I would always discuss having X and, and also by color as well. So for example, let's say for example, this is the edit for anyone watching on video. I'm just holding up a, a, a basic white water bottle, right? But let's say this is the all singing, all dancing, brand new water bottle. No one's ever done this before. I could also say, look, I want to order that in black. I want exclusive for black. You can sell red, yellow, purple, white. I don't care to anyone else, but for black, it can only go to me. So you can also have an exclusive that way as well. And uh, as long as you have a bit of a story behind your brand in terms of, yeah, we've been selling on Amazon for X amount of years. This is our other store that does seven figures. Or if you're a new seller, you can say, these are the influencers we're going to be working with. Look at their reach. We've got this micro influencer of 10,000 followers, Kelsey, who's going to promote the product. Like you can say things like that. And then like that would get them more interested and excited to work with you, if you know what I mean. Okay. Well, now let's talk about who should attend the Canton Fair. Is it everybody? Should new sellers go? Yeah, great question. So, you know, um. When I started putting content on YouTube, like, I don't know, two or three years ago, I was trying to break up my content to be like, right, if you want to do sourcing a supply chain, here's beginner, intermediate, and advanced. But with everything that happened, like, during COVID, it's like, there's no more beginner, intermediate, and advanced. It's like, you either do it right or you don't do it at all. Because if you leave any money on the table, like, if you don't, if you're not getting the best price, or if you're not getting the best quality, or if you're not getting the best credit terms, like, you're already behind the competition, right. if you know what I mean? So you could look at it to be like okay i'm a i'm an established brand i've been selling for five years i do seven figures in my store absolutely it's for you because if you can save five percent in your cost of goods and you're doing seven figures in buying then that's a fifty thousand dollar saving just right there and then at the fair right and there have been plenty of times and examples where i've actually got better pricing as well as better quality and let's say you get the same price but you get better quality then that shows up as less returns and more positive reviews right so there's other financial aspects that might not show up on a balance sheet that you would have uh, advantages of going now if you're an absolute beginner and like you know you have one product and maybe it went reasonably successful or, or it didn't. And now you're thinking about launching your next product and you're like, well, Canton Fair might be a bit expensive. I need to think about flights and hotels and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not there yet as a seller. I would argue that as long as you have the means, like as long as you have the budget to, to go to the trip and to invest in your brand, it's 100% worthwhile because at the fair, you're going to align with the best suppliers to get the best quality, the best product, the best suppliers, the best price. And then if you launch with that, 
then your your brand is likely to be way more successful than if you got a dodgy price and a dodgy quality off Alibaba and then you're not putting yourself in the best position to succeed if you know what I mean and you know Norm like we'll, we'll be out there together um at the Canton Fair in China and part of that is with China Magic Trip and that's what we do at the fair in terms of like let's say you're a beginner and you're inexperienced and like you don't really know which suppliers to talk to, how to talk to them, how to negotiate price, how to build leverage with them. That's what they're, that's what they're, we're there for. And there's a few different mentors, including myself on the trip where we go into the booths with you. And it's funny. I, I always say like to the people that I go in with, I'm always like, oh yeah, so-and-so is my boss. I'm the purchasing manager. And I would just basically ask the questions and stuff like that, but then negotiate very, very good prices and develop new products for, or whatever was the outcome they wanted to achieve. If you know what I mean. What's, um, What's one little secret you could tell us about negotiating? Um, I would say know who is their biggest customer. So for example, at the last Canton Fair, one of my buddies, Brad came, right? And Brad's got um, a homeware product and he does roughly 400,000 units a year on his product. And I, and I, so he told me that in advance. So we go in and I'm like, we're finding the top suppliers for his for his product right and the, the the one question that i asked in terms of like to answer your question to see like all right what can i unlock in terms of pricing with the supplier i said to the suppliers who's your biggest customer and then they would say oh, it's target it's walmart it's disney it's whatever i'm like, okay interesting what is the quantity that those customers are ordering and then they would say target order 270,000 units from us a year and in my head, I'm just looking at Brad and I like, sort of wink. I'm like, all right, we got him. Because like we, I now know before we even talk about price that we will be their biggest customer, right? And so by knowing who they supply and what, what quantity they supply, then we know that we can go in and be a bigger customer so that we know we have more leverage because essentially they want to acquire the biggest customers for them as well. And then there's a whole host of other questions that you can ask as well, like in terms of like, we can use that same information and flip it if we're a beginner, right? So for example, um, if I say like, you know, who, who's your biggest customer? And they say, uh, okay, we do these bottles for Walmart and they order 100,000 units a year. And if I want to order 2,000 units a year, then I would say, look, um, I don't want to copy that product. I don't want to make the exact same product, but in order to get the most cost-effective product, I want to utilize the materials that they use in their product. And my bottle is going to be a different shape. It's going to be a different size, whatever. But how often do Walmart order? They order every quarter. They order every three months. Okay, cool. If I, if you notify me when you receive a purchase order from them, I will give you a purchase order at the exact same time. And I will use the exact same material. So, but it'll be a different product. So you can order the materials together. So we're now benefiting from their economies of scale, meaning when that factory orders 100,000 pieces worth of the raw materials for this bottle, whether it be the 304 steel, double vacuum insulated, whatever it may be, BPA free, they're actually ordering the raw materials for 102,000 units because they're doing the 100,000 for Walmart and they're doing the 2,000 for us. But I'm benefiting from their economies of scale because I'm going to get the raw material price at the volume of which they ordered. And that's just like one thing from experience mm -hmm. that I've been able to like negotiate and discuss. So like we've used it on both occasions, right? If we're the big customer, which is doing like 400,000 units a year, we know we can just lock in the absolute best price. And we're, we're the beginner. We know that we can get the, the best price as well by knowing when those orders are placed as well. So 
the more questions that we ask the supplier, the more data points we have to then utilize that information to benefit us the most, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. Um, it's, and you know, that's something that I, I haven't heard of before. So yeah, there you go. Keon. Check one for Keon. <laughs> and guess what? I, I know we, we haven't really touched on it, but this China magic, magic trip that's, uh, that's coming up. These are the types of things that you can expect. Uh, now it's probably too late for this event, uh, but they also are going in April. So Canton happens twice a year. The next one's going to be in April. And just giving this a bit of a plug, and I have to say, want to be transparent, I am going to the, the Canton Fair uh, with China Magic this year. Uh, but what I like about it and what I like about these Titan events is the mentors and just the experience that you have. So just for an example, uh, we're going over there and we're staying at the Four Seasons. And if you don't know the Four Seasons Hotel, it's a, it's a pretty nice hotel, I would say, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's it's honestly one of the nicest hotels I've ever stayed in. And I've been to a lot of hotels around the world. Like it's it's on the 99th floor or the, the conference room that we have for the event is on the 99th floor. And uh, the city is exceptional. So the views that we get are outstanding, but the quality of food is is incredible. So it's, it was designed in a way to give you like total comfort, relaxation, freedom, whilst you're doing the sourcing because like you know I, like i said i've been sourcing in china since like 2010 and i did not stay in these types of places when i first started yeah. like, I was, like you know a lot of these factories that i was going to was in like the rural countryside and i was staying in like little village towns and little like there was no foreign hotels or local chinese hotels in this small town and i've stayed in places where there's like cockroaches on the wall and things like that i've been in factories till midnight packing boxes you know what i mean so it's like but this experience of china is almost too luxurious i would say like but when i'm in the four seasons and i'm just like and you know we're doing these like you know uh masterminds in the evening and we're doing the fair during the day and it's like you know five star buses and all the fresh espresso and, and all that coffee that you need and all that i'm in my in the back of my mind i'm like this is not real china but you know it it's the way to sort of you know people have got long trips to make from the us to china so you want to give them the absolute best experience so yeah i, I would say that you know the accommodation and four seasons people definitely get spoiled there you you absolutely do and the bonus is if you are trying to navigate just like amazon if you're trying to navigate amazon and you're just doing it on your own and you're not in a group and you don't have uh, a mentor or you're on your own well it's a very lonely life and there's one that i call you pay your amazon tax and that is just that you make mistakes and you have to pay you know extra for it um, in the case of sourcing, uh, I, I've heard this in the past and I agree hundred uh, percent profit is in the sourcing. So if you're looking to save money, if you're looking to get that competitive advantage, you've got to learn to how to negotiate or talk or approach your suppliers. And this is, uh, this is one main reason why I like going to the Canton fair, but it's also, um, why I like going with a group of people. 
So I have gone on my own before. I have gone with a group of people before, but just letting you know. So, and there's lots of people that, lots of groups that are going as well. Um, this time I'm going with China Magic. And I just, uh, I think Kelsey will put up a link where uh, you can still uh, check it out. And if it's too late for you, which probably is, uh, you could then uh, go on the April trip. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about this before we go to our break, and that's uh, getting a visa. So this is China. It's not going like Canada to the U.S. Um, how complicated is it? And what is the timeline of getting a visa? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, it's relatively simple. And, you know, in terms of what we're talking about, whether someone want, someone listening wants to come to this Canton Fair or the next one, I'm guessing this episode is going to go out on Monday the 9th. And the trip starts on, I believe, the 23rd of October. And the turnaround time to get a visa is roughly five days, I would say. So it's still possible after listening to this, if you want to come on the upcoming trip, that um, th there would be enough time to get your visa if you moved quickly. But then if not, it would be the, the following April trip. But I think the official website is visa, visaforchina.org or something mm -hmm. like that, or visaforchina.cn. And it's it's quite simple in terms of Wherever your location is, you'll have a, lo a lo local Chinese visa office and you just put that location and then it'll just say like set an appointment time, you pick a day at a time. But there is a little bit of preparation you need to do for that appointment, which they share on the website. But it's literally like you just have to have an invitation letter to China, which you can download from the Canton Fair website or you can ask one of your suppliers to send you one. Um, then you also have to sort of answer a few questions in terms of like, you know, usual passport number, date of birth. and Like 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where you went to school and, you know, occupation, history and all that sort of stuff. When was um, the first time you started to sweat? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they do ask like quite a lot of questions, but um, essentially you just print that out. You go to the office, uh, you get an appointment to give you the visa. Normally, I would say within five working days, I think each visa office might be a little bit different. Um no testing required, nothing like that, no proof of any that sort of stuff. Um, so it's relatively straightforward, but it's just a bit of paperwork to, to fill out, I would say. Yeah, and I would say that uh, make sure that you read, like you'll get, a, you'll get an email exactly what you need to do and make sure you bring exactly what they say and make sure everything is printed out. And uh, just if you don't do it, if you don't do it to a T, uh, you'll have to go to the back of the line. And I know for me in Toronto, it was probably an hour to 90 minutes and I messed up. Um, I didn't print one of the uh, papers properly and my mistake. So, and then, <laughs> then I went up there the second time and my invitation letter didn't have a stamp on it. So I had to go out, go to Staples, but this lady at least said, just bump you know, go to the front of the line. So I got a whole bunch of nasty looks as I cut in front of everybody, but you just have to make sure that it's done. I got mine in two days. Mm. So it was great. But um, uh, yeah, if you want to go, it is, it's just not like crossing the border. You can't get into the country without a visa. Uh, it costs a little bit of money. I think mine was $186 Canadian uh to to do that so that's probably about ten dollars us uh so but uh yeah it's it, it is it, it is something to see if you've even if you've never gone it's a once in a lifetime experience uh that you will enjoy and 
it, it's crazy. You, I, I can't even say, uh, I can't express what it's like going over there. Now I'm like you, I started going, I, we ended up buying uh, a factory. We have, we own a factory in China wow. and I uh, also have owned two factories in Taiwan and I went to Taiwan uh, back in 95 and uh, there was no Coke in Taiwan at the time. It, you talk about like the four, the, the uh, seasons, the four seasons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was no Coke in Taiwan when I went there. So just imagine just, yeah. I mean, I know you can imagine, but just going through those factory tours, I got stories. Uh, and we'll, we'll share some of these horror stories. <laughs> I bet. I bet. But, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah. But now it's a whole different story. Um, you know, and I, a matter of fact, last night I was talking with Kevin King, like at 1130 at night, but, uh, Kevin King and, uh, one of our partners, Mark, um, he was talking about just since COVID, the difference, the differences in Shenzhen and Guangzhou. And he was saying now not Kevin, but, uh, Mark, he was saying he would honestly think about moving to Shenzhen because of its beauty now. And I know Howard Tai has mm. said the exact same thing. And uh, it's not a city that you would expect in, in China 10 years ago. Mm. This, is, this is a city of beauty, parks, no pollution. It's, it's actually a beautiful city. Now, I haven't gone to Shenzhen for a long time, uh, pre-COVID. And I, I just... I, I can't stick around, but that's another area that I want to check out. But I've also heard that Guangzhou has changed quite a bit since COVID. For sure. I mean, I, I, I used to live in Shanghai in 2012 to 2016, something like that. And even then, which was like more than 10 years ago, like it was really advanced and really developed. But you're talking about cities like, you know, some people might not have heard of like Shenzhen, Guangzhou, even I used to live in a city called Ningbo as well. Probably no one has ever heard of Ningbo, but there's 22 million people that live there. State Big of the art. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, probably a lot of people have their products shipped from Ningbo, but it's um, state of the art, you know, skyscrapers, architecture, you know, amazing restaurants, like hipster vibe, coffee shops, all that sort of stuff. Like, because remember, like China has grown and developed a lot in the last sort of 12, 13 years. Therefore, as that happens, you develop a middle class as well. And then as you have a middle class with disposable income, all these things that we talked about, like, you know, cool bars, restaurants, coffee shops, like parks, all that sort of stuff, cool housing, estate projects, like they all, you know, pop up. And uh, China is also not only a great place to manufacture products, but also a really cool place to, to spend time, have a holiday and to even live as well. And, you know, I would say that for anyone coming to, if you're going to go all the way to China to visit a factory and go to the Canton Fair, and if you can take a little bit of time, oh, yeah. take, a, take a holiday as well. Like go, go to Shanghai, go to Beijing, go to Hong Kong, like check out some of these cities. Like you'll have an incredible time. Yeah, and I don't know, I haven't checked it out, but I know in Canada, uh, the Chinese government subsidized trips, like tourist trips into mm -hmm. China. Uh, and it was it was next to nothing uh, for your airfare, your your 14-day to 21-day stay. And you could really go out and enjoy the countryside, which I've never done, but I and I have visited all around. Uh, and it's very interesting. Try being 6'3" bald and a long gray beard 
uh, in China. It, uh, it, it, you get You'll some get attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, uh, it's time at the bottom of uh, the hour and at the bottom of every hour, if you're a first time listener, we have something called the wheel of Kelsey. This is where we have a prize or a giveaway every podcast. So we are at, Oh, and here comes my wife with a coffee. Hmm. Perfect. Thank you. So uh, if you are new, uh, you, all you have to do is hashtag wheel of Kelsey, tag two people, you get a second entry, but Kim, what, what are we giving away today? So I, I would say there's a couple of things like obviously being involved in like sort of supply chain and product development education, uh, you know, for the last few years, I've developed like a number of different PDFs, downloads, giveaways, checklists, things like that. So I'll make a little package and I'll send it to Kelsey in terms sure. of PDFs, which would be like, here's your product development checklist, like tick all these boxes before you develop a product. Here's a specification sheet checklist. Here's all the different things you need to have on a spec sheet in order to pass it to a factory to get the best pricing. Here's like maybe a PDF seven step walkthrough guide of how to use Alibaba with screenshots and examples and things like that. So if anyone's kind of needs a bit of guidance and structure, like you can just sort of follow these PDFs and checklists and that'll kind of put you in the right direction. And even if you're an advanced seller, it's maybe a good reminder of a couple of things that you might have missed or, or whatever. So I'll, I'll, I'll put something together like that. And then also if you're interested in joining us in the China Magic Trip, uh, whether it be this one or the next one, we can put together a $500 off gift voucher, gift token. If you want to use it for yourself, great. If you want to pass it on to a friend, you can also do that as well. So we'll have that included as well. Very good. All right, everybody. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll get back to you in a second. Okay. And we are back. So now let's talk about you meet the manufacturer and maybe uh, you fly back and you're interested. Maybe you've, you've taken a few names down. Do you think that you should do a factory audit before you place an order? Um, I think it's very important because but but so like we said at the, at the start of the episode normally it's the more professional manufacturers which are there so i would have yeah. a little more freedom in that like i trust these suppliers and if you're maybe don't want to do an audit of the factory sometimes the factories have already done audits that you can take a look at yourself for example when i'm walking down the hallways and i'm looking at the booths i'm keeping an eye out that a lot of booths when they've done a lot of factories when they've done an audit on their factory, they advertise that. Like if you right. have a BSCI audit, a B BSCI, or let's say SEDEX, which is a global supply chain um, standard, or if you have like a Disney audit or a Walmart audit. So if Disney is going to go into your factory and they're going to place an order, they will send their team to audit your factory. And when we say audit, that means they'll check like the number of workers you have, how many years you've been in business that like, you know, do the workers have like good conditions? Is there adequate lighting? Is there fire extinguishers? Just like your health and safety and stuff like that, as well as like the core competencies of that factory as well and what product certification they have and things like that. So whenever I see that a factory has got a Disney audit or a Walmart audit and stuff like that, and by the way, the reason why these big companies do those checks is that like, you know, they have to uh, comply with certain standards as well, that if it was found out that a Disney manufacturer had child labor, then that would be a very, very bad PR move for them, which is why they do very, very strict checks on these factories. And I can also tell you from personal experience from visiting over 500 factories in China, I have never seen child labor in my life. So I'm not, I don't, I don't want people to think that that sort of stuff goes on. Maybe it does. I've just not seen it. Uh, but um, that that's why those audits are, are quite important to, to check for. Now you can always ask a factory, Hey, can you send me by email 
any factory audits or certification that you have on your factory. Now, if I see something uh, and I read something that I'm like, you know what, I'm happy with that. I'm not going to like send in my own team to go and do an audit or I'm not going to hire Intertech or SGS or a company like that to go in and do a check. I normally like to do the checks myself and just go and visit them myself. But I think that if you meet them at the fair, you see that they have those audits. Um, that should be good enough for, for you to place an order. And then the real test is in how good's the quality of the product and how good's the price of the product. And then after that, I would start to do more detailed checks in terms of the factory and things like that, maybe on the next time I go out. Do you find a lot of, um, I, I'm going to say newer sellers, but do you find a lot of newer sellers have false expectations? Um, in terms of getting like really, really cheap prices and things like that? Yeah. I, honestly, I would say so, because I think that for anyone who's not gone through the manufacturing process before, I don't think they account for how challenging it can be and how things can go wrong. For example, like there's to get an order from like an idea in your head to an actual stock production sitting in your Amazon warehouse, there's so many different hoops that you have to jump through in terms of like, was the sample right first time? Did the did the production delay by two weeks? Did it fail the inspection? They quoted me this price, but then they, they charged me that price. Like there's so many different things that happen that you have to sort of deal with. And obviously you get much, much better at it with experience and you know, being around a mentorship group and things like that and learning from other people. But orders like your first order does not typically go smooth. Like repeat business can go smooth. Like once you've visited the factory and, you know, you've done several orders and you've kind of worked out all the teething problems and, you know, you've found that sweet spot of like, you're happy with the price and things like that. Then you can just keep placing repeat orders and, and it can go relatively on autopilot. But there's a lot of different tweaks we need to make into in the product development process. And there's like different factories we need to involve. And there's like negotiations that need to happen. And like, there's just a lot of different variables in it. So it's by no stretch of the imagination easy, but it makes it easier by going to the Canton Fair because you're just dealing with higher professionals and you're dealing with more experienced factories and you're dealing and, and you're able to get the best product prices and you're able to touch and feel and see the products for yourself. And, you know, Norm yourself and, and, and me as well can be there to support you as well. So that's why you'll get better results in the Canton Fair. But I think beginners just sometimes assume that, hey, I want to order this product. Like I order something on Amazon, it'll just arrive and everything will be fine. Like, no, there's there's a lot of things you have to jump through to get it perfect. Yeah, and it's a, a quick realization when you're there. Uh, also, it, like you were talking about, it is a, it is a great uh, experience, a learning experience to actually go through and see the full process. Uh, one of the things that I would probably point out is don't be over exuberant or leave your ego at the door. Everybody's a passionate entrepreneur and they, you know, excited about what they're doing, but don't be arrogant. And uh, I, I, I mean, there is different communication standards when you're there, even though you're talking to professionals that are working those booths. Uh, any tips on communicating and communicating effectively and not offending? Yeah, that's such a good point. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because like, um, like I said, in, in that YouTube video that I posted yesterday, I had four different supplier interviews where I walked into the booth and I had a camera guy with me and I just showcased a conversation, right? And 
the the first sort of one minute interaction is funny i was i went to a supplier that i've never seen before it was an office supplies product like note notepads and stuff like that and i was like hey man how's it going my name's kian how you doing and i was like what's your name and he goes lewis i was like, louis lewis or louis and he goes lewis i was like oh lewis okay is it s silent or is it like louis and he's like lewis i was like okay cool i was like how'd you get that name and he goes well you know um it's a brazilian name i really like brazil i was like okay cool i'm guessing that you've got customers in brazil you went there on a business trip you loved it lewis was your adopted name and and here you are he's like yeah yeah yeah, 100 i was like and he goes yeah it's portuguese as well i was like cool oh portugal do you like football do you like ronaldo do you like neymar he goes yeah, yeah i love football and like literally like within 45 seconds we've built rapport like we're chatting uh-huh. back and forth about where we've been what sort of business we do how we got our name that we like football and then I was, and then a transition to Louis. You've got beautiful products here. I'd love it if you could give me a quick demo of like what you've got on display and what are the new products you've developed here for the Canton Fair. And those types of like just breaking down barriers rather than going into a prep. I've seen this a hundred times, right? Where some sometimes people don't acknowledge that the person that you're talking to in that booth is the factory boss, which is worth tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> which is very, and but he looks so humble. He's maybe got a stained polo shirt. He's like you know drinking his tea and stuff like that. And we're having a conversation around products and stuff like that. And then someone who's like a buyer for a big company like Walmart just comes in with an ego and an attitude, interrupts us, picks up a product. It's like, what's the price of this? And then the guy's like a little bit like shocked, like, okay, cool. Yeah, okay, that's $2. It goes, no, I order containers. I need a better price than that. And then the guy's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. But he's just like, they don't deal with that well and it's like at the end of the day people buy from people and it doesn't matter if you or I are placing a minimum order of 500 pieces and it's a trial order honestly they would rather work with us than these arrogant and rude buyers and people like that so I think as you mentioned that like you just you have to be a nice person people buy from people and the one of the biggest um advantages of going to the Canton Fair and something that I talk a lot about is the ability to build relationships with suppliers that the, the mm. best results come from having real relationships with suppliers and I can tell you from like the 13 plus years I've got experience working with suppliers I've attended their weddings they've come here to Scotland on holiday one supplier asked me to give them the name the English name of their child like I help some of my suppliers kids with their English homework like that's the level of relationships that we have so if you're talking about like, oh, is this person going to give me the best price or are they going to screw me over? Like, I know for a fact that they have my best interest at heart because we're very, very close friends. And there's some people that I did business with. I placed one order to eight years ago and we never did any business after that, but we're still very, very good friends. And there have been people that I've met at the Canton Fair, which, which we've been friends for five years. And then after the fifth year, we ended up doing business together because an opportunity came around. So I would always prioritize building real relationships, being a nice person rather than going in with an ego and an attitude to be like, Hey, I'm a seven figure seller. You need to do this, this, and this. So like, yeah, that, that's the way you'll get the best results. Yeah. I I remember, uh, this is going back, what, 20, 30 years ago back in Taiwan. So before we owned anything and I, when I say owned, technically you can't own anything, right? But we had general managers there and, uh, my my brother and I, before we did this, we went over and we were going to all these different factories trying to figure out what we were trying to trying to do. Well, I always remember this, Mr. Uh, it was Mr. Cow, and we were looking at EVA and EVA foam. And the 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 translator came in with us and he was silent. And usually back then you'd build rapport the first meeting. 
and then you'd come back. So it was all family the first meeting. And then the second meeting was talk business, but there was nothing. He wouldn't like, we were trying to drink some tea. He would, then it was just kind of shut up. He didn't do anything. So it ended up that my brother's name, Steve, and uh, where, where we were doing business, there was a guy named Steve from America that ripped off one of the factories. And he thought, well, it's got to be this guy. His name's Steve. So when the translator came back to him and said, well, it's, no, this is not Steve. Uh, you know, this is not the Steve from the U.S. that ripped off this person. Then he opened up. And I, I, all I remember is like rapport family is very important and this guy like you said he he worth tens of millions of dollars and i remember going to a hotel in taichung and uh having piggyback fights after a few drinks in the hallways with him and his general manager my brother on his back uh i'm on the other guy's back and we're doing piggyback fighting so uh anyways that's just a story and they turned out to be really great suppliers for us yeah, it's it, it's it's huge, and also like as what you said earlier, like it's not only business, but it's a lot of fun as well. Like to visit these places and meet these people, and these are like friends and experiences you'll have for life as well, just outside of the business as well. Right now, it looks like I'm not sure if I'm hanging here or if it's the internet, but it looks like I'm I'm hung. Uh, but we've we've come to the end. It's just been one of those podcasts. Yeah. But we're coming to the end of the podcast. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Kian, how do we get a hold of you if we want to uh, check you out? For sure. Yes, I would say um, on YouTube would be the best place. Sourcing with Kian on YouTube. I've got tons of videos on like how to get the best price, how to talk to suppliers, how to get a low MOQ, how to find the best factors online. I've got live walkthroughs of the Canton Fair when I just posted yesterday, global sources, other trade shows as well. So that would that would be the best place to check me out. Um, I've also got a Facebook group of the same name, Sourcing with Kian, where people just kind of ask questions and I would jump in or the community jumps in and answers questions. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Kian underscore JG. Uh, where I post a bunch of stuff when I'm in China as well. Uh, so yeah, feel free to reach out to me there. And then um, obviously the China Magic Trip as well. would be great if you could check out that. And Norm, I think you've got a website for that as well. And then yes. if anyone's interested, uh, feel free to join us there. And I, I just have to tell you, your YouTube channel is fantastic. I've watched a bunch of your videos. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank so okay. So thank you so much for, for jumping in on this pre-record. I'm so glad you were able to come in. Uh, it just opened up and I know I was trying to squeeze you in somewhere. So it was, uh, it was great that uh, we were able to do this today and I'm so glad you were on the podcast for the first time. And well, what thank you so much for having me. And um, for sure, we need to do it again sometime as well. You know, we've got a bunch of other topics that we could cover within product development and supply chain. So yeah, anytime you want, just give me a shout. I'd be happy to jump on. All right, sir. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Looking forward okay. to it. Okay, so now we're just going to go over to a word from our sponsor. We'll come right back and we'll do the Wheel of Kelsey. All right, that was awesome. Uh, lots of stuff to learn about the Canton Fair, probably lots of stuff that you didn't know. And remember, if you want to have or hear more great information about Amazon and e-commerce, we go live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Also, we've got a great community. If you want to be part of this community, head over to our Facebook group, Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA Collective. All right, everybody. Until next time, we'll see you later. All right, that's it.
um, I'm going to end the recording and that should okay. upload in two seconds. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also, if you want to check out our latest podcast, click over here. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur.